Listeners to a film policy brought to you by the two marks. This time we're reviewing Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And once again, the two marks are delivering an irreverent review, providing you lively debate, conversation, and social commentary. Let me introduce my friend and co-host, Mr. Mark Pollard. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's Shang Chi that we're doing. Sean. Shang. Just Sean. No, Chang. Shang. Chang. No, Shang. Shang. I sound like I'm a bit special if I say Shang Chi. Get myself into more trouble. <laughs> well, I was more concerned by the fact that he was trying to correct her on how to pronounce it and I couldn't actually tell any difference, which may have been part of the oh, joke, yeah. but I suspect it's more because I'm an incompetent moron and couldn't tell the difference between the subtle tones of his dialect. Getting embroiled in. We were already getting back. This is how deep depth we go in, people. We haven't even done an intro yet and we're already getting stuck right into our Marvel journey. Well, let's do a Sean Char. Sounds like a cup of tea. Intro and how people can get hold of us. Yes, indeed. We're on the socials at the two marks we're on facebook instagram and twitter give us a follow throw some comments on there we often ask your opinion with some of those cheeky old little instagram story polls or on the old twits to see what your thoughts are we want to hear your comments we want to read out the comments we want to hear your thoughts if you want to email us it's the two marks at the podstation.co.uk if you feel like 25 characters or whatever twitter offers you these days isn't enough for you to tell us your thoughts then that's cool you can direct messages if you found you can also check this show out if you go to any of the major podcast platforms and type in the two marks we should pop up there if you subscribe to that channel you'll actually get all of our shows in the one place because we have a plethora of shows for people to choose from very broad now isn't it we're just giving ourselves more work to do aren't we really well there's that there's a good cross section we're doing all right so we've got disco fever which is the star trek discovery show and season four comes out in november i think we'll be doing that season as a ball by ball blow by blow journey we've got Picard Talk which is the Star Trek Picard series that comes out in is it January or February next year next yes. year yeah. so we'll do that and probably we'll probably well we probably won't create a new show for the latest addition to the Star Trek universe but we will do a ball by ball commentary on that because why would we not we've got a film policy which yes. is obviously this show where we discuss films we do a Marvel series and we're doing a rewatch at the moment with Ishtar where we're starting our journey right from scratch so you can check that out as well so there is like quite literally a million things going at the minute we've just done a review of Suicide Squad mm, that's gone up hasn't it it has it's gone up there it's there it's available already so go and check them all out there's loads of stuff there and we want you to give us your feedback we do reviews from time to time on social media to hopefully help you avoid losing valuable time in your life watching what could otherwise be described as dog poo we are actually doing a public service we should get funded for we this we should get a grant at least because all of the films and TV that's being shown across all platforms we're stopping people watching shite <laughs> we, we are I'm quickly looking at my phone because I'm trying to remember the latest one where you give it a frank review I think's the best description isn't it what I always say in these recordings is nothing's ever a 10 nothing's ever a 1 I'll caveat that with mostly The Fugitive you did decide that The Fugitive didn't warrant a 1 did it get anything it got 0 stars correct because 
<laughs> now we've discussed this before but when I did my GCSEs sort of leading up to them you know when your teachers are giving you advice on what to do to make sure you get your marks I do distinctly remember one of my teachers saying quite specifically as long as you write your name properly on the answer booklet or whatever the hell it was then you will get yourself a mark I've always sort of applied a similar rule to movies as in if when I press play something comes on the TV screen it should perhaps get at least one for effort in this particular instance you didn't even believe it warranted that did you deduct the effort mark for the loss of valuable lifetime I took off that particular mark it was misleading because I got excited thinking I love the fugitive the Harrison Ford yeah. one yeah and the sequel yeah I thought oh great then immediately found it's got no connective tissue at all there's not even a one-armed man in it it's like what and then it's like eight minutes an episode I gave Capone one he uh, shit himself twice doesn't he in that Willy's Wonderland you gave zero stars <laughs> Do not watch that film. I like Nicolas Cage. He's not very broad with his acting because he's the cousin of... Scorsese? Yeah. Uncle Bob gets Uncle the Bob. job. I quite liked him in Ghost Rider. I wouldn't say he's, you know, an Oscar level. However, that is a pile of shite. <laughs> Anti-Life got one. Mortal Kombat got one. Quite, you know. However, bringing us full circle, what did you give this one? I gave this five. People listening to this, we'll do our ratings at the end of the show, and we do it out of ten on this show itself. Do not assume, by virtue of the fact he's given it five stars, <coughs> that it's going to get <laughs> ten out of ten, because that's probably not true, is it, Mark? No. We haven't done an enormous spoiler there with what Mark will give this show, because that doesn't necessitate the logic that you might otherwise apply. Find myself caveating and explaining the reasoning behind my scoring, but we'll wait till the end. Yeah, don't worry, people. I will hold him to account. So, we're here to talk about Shang-Chi, which we went to see in the cinema, which is a unique experience in itself these days. IMAX as well. Yeah, they haven't owned the gallery yet, so we did have to sit with the plebs. It was all right, though, wasn't it? Well, it was only because I booked us into the far, hidden away corner, tucked away from all mankind, because I didn't want to be near anyone. Not through vid reasons, but just because I didn't want to be near anyone. Well, what I did do, which is what annoys me, because I didn't really realise you in the far flung corners I went to the opposite end of the cinema walked to the very back row and then proceeded to get everyone to stand up and then realised where you were was actually a set of stairs that I could have literally just walked up Yes, I repositioned everybody with their <laughs> hot dogs and refreshments and <laughs> oh. again for the record Audion you owe us a box of mixed popcorn because the mixed popcorn that we ordered was not mixed was it? It seemed mixed with two lots of salt. Yeah it was salt and salt. I gave up eating it halfway through because I was just salted out. Yeah, I felt my heart closing. <laughs> the, arteries my, the, just, arteries the arteries are just slowly clogging up. There was no sweet in there at all. I was having palpitations and I wasn't sure whether it was the excitement from the film or the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the popcorn Going by how much I felt like I'd been in the Sahara Desert for six days Scrabbling around trying to find me drink <laughs> Water, I need water Licking sweat off people <laughs> Well, if they'd licked it off me They'd just been pure rock salt <laughs> Anyway, we went to the cinema to watch it. This is our first cinema instalment since Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, it was. It was Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, it is our... Technically, I went to see Black Widow. Oh, did you go in the cinema, did yeah. you? Was that another time when you went without me? Yeah, it was, yeah. That's on the review as well. Yeah. Mm. I would have given that five stars. Which doesn't necessarily mean 10 out of 10 people. No, no. Um, <laughs> see you later in the show for explanations. <laughs> Your first for our back in 
into cinema land is the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, which we've obviously done the show for, mm-hmm. which we've already mentioned. Sticking with the Shang-Chi. 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 Oh, um, I'm just going to say that Sean, Sean Chi. <laughs> Sticking with that, presumably you thought positive thoughts towards this film. Because I trust Marvel, and I've said this times before, because I trust Marvel's processes and how they do a very good job with lesser known characters. Unless you know the comics, you won't know who Shang-Chi is. Because I've been with you to see Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe not what people will be familiar with. I was very comfortable and happy with the way they handled this story. I think I've said it in the Loki show that's on our platform and all major... Shameless plug. What the MCU do is they take the core script from the comics and they either update it to make it of the time and adapt it to suit their own prerogative, which is to extend the MCU universe in whatever direction they have decided it's going in. This movie handles the origin, handles the story and propels it into the greater universe of where we're going with the whole phase four. It's quite interesting. I had absolutely no idea who this character was coming into this because I haven't read the comics so I didn't know what to expect and it's quite nice sorry to sound like a broken record but we are doing a Marvel rewatch at the moment with Ishtar who is coming across some of these key characters for the first time we're going to be recording Iron Man in the next few days and she's just been exposed to Iron Man for the first time because she hasn't read the comic book she's got no idea who that was and so she's got this enormous excitement when she comes across this character it turns out they're really cool I got to enjoy that for myself again when we went to the pictures because mm. I don't know this character I had no expectations I was just there to be entertained by Marvel in their introduction because we've had a feel so far for what their plan is for each character so you usually get an origin movie where it's largely based around telling us about them where they're from what that motivates them to give them some good foundation so that over the course of the next couple of films they can introduce the wider universe into their story arcs but without losing what ultimately you understand to be that character and I needed that because I don't know anything about this guy if they'd have just thrown him straight to the middle of the universe and had loads of other characters I recognised my natural gravitation would have probably been to those people I knew already rather than spending time learning about this guy and I felt it didn't get too bogged down in the backstory I think they naturally told the story without losing too much of the film in the backstory they split up with a little bit of a flashback then modern day through dialogue and conversations you glean more information about the family structure and how they've come to where they are now and why you haven't heard about certain things and I thought that was really well written actually because a lot of movies can well we've talked about this as well DC is a prime example of if you want a backstory of 15,000 characters in about 25 seconds Batman versus Superman is more the go-to film you have a whirlwind where the fans I've got no idea and, and woe betide anyone who's not a fan you've got no chance yeah like you for example with the Suicide Squad you have really enjoyed that and yet you didn't know most of the characters for people who haven't seen any of the Marvel TV or films now's your chance to get on board with the rewatch I feel as we move into the next phase four of films people are going to lose cohesiveness as standalones that they're really good but I think you'll benefit more if you've watched the other films because it'll all start to make sense God knows how they managed to do it they must have one massive board that makes mine look like a notepad with all of the plans ideas and where everything's going to connect and where the past connects with the future and the present just mental it is it was a nice balance between telling a fun action story the flashbacks were obviously there to be the supposition of the story but 
felt they sort of interspersed that with fun, either action or light-hearted comedy, which is what Marvel's expertise is for me, where they can tell a genuine and an emotional story, but without it feeling like watching an episode of EastEnders, where you just want to drive off the edge of a short bridge mm-hmm. with the car doors locked and the windows rolled up <laughs> because you feel so manically depressed yeah. as a result of finding out that the whole world's gone to shit and everyone's miserable. Whereas with this, they kind of break up. So Sean, as he's renamed himself. So Sean as in the person. So you got Sean and then you've got his, for want of a better phrase, his sidekick Katie. They're great fun just from the off. They've got a great dynamic, haven't they? Yeah. Obviously you can tell straight away. Again, this is from the writing and how they build characters that from the opening of the movie. You can tell that they're really good mates, that they get on, they've got that dynamic. They bounce off each other, living life to the full, or at least how they want to do it. Also, as the story develops, builds their characters. At the end of the movie, you feel like actually you know them better. Yeah. Which, again, a testimony to the writing and, and the casting, and actually the humour is the secret source in the MCU. It makes them relatable. It's not slapstick comedy humour, no. just people being real, almost. Type of banter, the banter we have where people who external to us may think we're being rude to each other or doing each other down. It's that type of banter. Yeah. Katie and Sean have that banter because it's been built up over a period of time and referenced in the film. She's known him for 10 years, half his life, so we assume he's 20 in this film. By the end of it, that's added value, but the humour when you're dealing with things like there's lots of fighting and people look being killed, you don't resonate that as like, oh, hang on. It's not like you know, when you're watching, I suppose, a horror movie where there's quite gruesome killings. Somebody falls off a scaffold, for example, and you kind of forget about that instantly because of the action and the humour within the fighting. Definitely it's the secret source in the movies. Katie is someone I'd specifically like to discuss. She's not in the comic books, no. is she? You were telling me. I think what they've done with some of the characters, they've updated them or they've added them in. As we go over the course of this, there's a couple that aren't actually in the comics. Well, I found that quite interesting that his sidekick, his best friend, for want of a better phrase, is someone who's not from the comics. She was fabulous as a character, which I feel is probably largely down to the quality of the actor yeah. that was playing her. She was brilliant to the point where at the end of the movie, I see them almost as a Batman-Robin type duo. Even though she's got zero superpowers and no skills, she got a bit lucky with a bow and arrow. But beyond that, she's got nothing. And she can drive fast cars fast. But beyond that, you know what I mean? I'm that invested in her as a character. I want to see more of her. That's what Marvel do, is they create characters that you buy into and that you want to see more of. They've created someone who you can relate to because there's a level of reality to how she is, how she's played the character. People can go, well, that's a bit like my life. Yeah, I wear tasteless pants. Well, yeah, there's that as well. Fashionistas. Just everyday people. And I feel like we're breaking into songs. (laughs) (laughs) They do that with others. So if you look at, dare I say, Iron Fist, if you think about the characters in that, apart from the fact that you might know him from the comics. Well, you might not recognise him from the comics, people, because there was a slightly dubious whitewashing from Iron Fist. The people in it, kind of saying everyday people, he's a billionaire. Yeah, I know loads of billionaires. (laughs) Well, if you do pass them my way. His sidekick, Chung Lee, I think her name is, that's a kind of character who is just running a martial arts dojo. He comes across her. They form maybe a sidekick type thing, but she's a very formidable person on her own. Luke Cage is in Harlem, not a particularly well-off area. Brings a diversity to the universe. So at the very top of the tier, you've got Aldrich Killian, you've got Tony Stark, and you've got Justin Hammer, who are all multi-billionaires. And at the bottom, you've got your low-level Jessica Jones is an alcoholic. Iron Fist. Iron Fist is a billionaire, so ignore that. I think you want to point him at the bottom of the pile because that series didn't do necessarily and maybe it well. is, but I think it's because he denounced or was denounced as a Well, he kind of fit in with the New York scene, didn't yeah. he? Because you had Daredevil, who was very much... Where's Daredevil well, Daredevil's from? in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, Hell's Kitchen. Then 
you've got obviously Jessica Jones from where she's, was she from? I think she's New York. They're all from yeah. New York. I think they're all from different districts, aren't they? Because yes. you got Luke Cage, who's Harlem. Harlem. Yeah. Uh, you have Daredevil from Hell's okay, Kitchen, sure. and then I'm sure Jessica Jones comes from another Some, bit yeah. aside. So the Avengers B, but not even the B team, probably the C team. They're the ones where the Avengers don't really want to get involved in. They deal with the low level crime, which is interesting because Spider Man introduced Daredevil to Night Nurse when he fell into a bin. Did he have a cold? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a shit name actually compared to others you don't really often see the Avengers simply because there's enough of them doing that because actually it means that the universe is that big yeah quick for Marvel MCU because it means they can just keep trawling out TV shows now doesn't it it does indeed okay so we like Shang-Chi as a character he did alright how did you feel he compared in so far as the comic book characters that you're familiar with well actually in the comics he's half American half Asian because his mum's American they wanted to properly put right the whitewashing from Iron Fist we had large parts of this film where it was subtitled which I love that is great as somebody who hates subtitles I thought that was a really nice touch because as arrogant English men wherever we go in the world we just want people to speak English it doesn't happen and we get offended maybe because we used to own most of the world our colonial well, we days we didn't own we ruled there's a difference I think <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe. Owned implies we purchased it at a fair price. Rules suggest we waded in when we weren't necessarily invited. I really enjoyed the fact that they actually went with the subtitles rather than what they tend to do. If you've seen Man in High Castle where they're all German, they speak English or American, which wouldn't be the case if it was real. And the only time I have the subtitles on is when people are mumbling names on Loki. Oh, yeah. What was that film? Tenet. I think you put the subtitles on there because I complained to you about the fact I couldn't understand a bleeding word. I did put the subtitles on. I haven't seen the whole movie I stopped it after five minutes because it, it was doing my nothing yeah. the music was too overpowering and the noise as well you told me that was a deliberate Christopher Nolan's gone on record saying he'd done it because he wanted it to be an experience I got further on Joker than I did on Tenet <laughs> tells you something doesn't it it does in the comics yeah his background is his dad's a, an Asian crime lord and his mother's a, an American woman so he's half Asian in the comics and they have updated the comics like I mentioned when we did Captain Marvel rewatch the comics have been updated Marvel comics like to bring in diverse I think when they were writing them in well, the 80s I, I, it was more sus- male well, I was going to say I, I suspect the American mother was to make an American audience feel like they have part ownership of that character whereas now they've gone he's purely Chinese and that's all he is he was born there his mother and father are from there and I like that whole ownership because what it allows them to do is fully immerse themselves in the whole culture mm. which is great because that provides a difference that we haven't had yet in so far as we haven't had a character from that background or from that culture and therefore everything feels new doesn't it and different yeah. instantly which is good because you don't want the same film over and over and over no. and over again you know we have dabbled in the Asian mystical culture of things in Iron Fist and we saw a bit more of it in Doctor Strange this is clearly the direction now for this particular character and incidentally a little known fact or maybe it is a known fact for those who are fans the character was based on Bruce Lee oh really so he was supposed to be in the show if you remember Kung Fu they've just rebooted it because that's what they love doing when they drew the character in 1974 it was based on Bruce Lee right and the idea was they were going to do a show they wanted to have him in the Shang-Chi style of Kung Fu but unfortunately it was owned by Warner Brothers who owned DC he couldn't do it okay this film starts off at quite a hectic pace doesn't it (laughs) very early on and I like that actually you lose all that preamble yeah we have the introduction which tells the story of what we find out is Shang-Chi's dad we find out the background of Wen Wu Tony Lung who I think this is his first American movie we get the introduction and explain who he is where the ten rings come into this whole equation now we had a debate at the time 
because you were saying the Ten Rings have been modernised because they are actually finger rings. Yeah, the rings. Actually, technically, there is in the comics the story arc where Iron Man made Shang-Chi some bracelets. I get the impression that what they've done is they've taken source material and they've updated it for the film. But in the comics, they are rings that have different powers. The same as Wen Wu. They've updated his character, which I'll go into later to avoid any spoilers, to make it less racist. did that with Black Panther. I have no problem with organic updates. That makes perfect sense and honours the characters as respectful in the time we're in. Okay, because you were like, oh, thank God, those bangles, because they weren't rolling around his arm, making loads of noise. I did say that. I pointed out that when they're not switched on, and I appreciate that's not the right turn of phrase, when they're not glowing, they are just rolling up and down his arm like the normal noisy bangles that irritate you, so. It's the ones that look like they've been shopping in Tobago, and they're all made out of wood and bubbly elephant horn. You know the ones where someone like lifts their arm up and it sounds like you just drop a pile of wooden plates on the floor? <laughs> His didn't seem to make that noise, even though the mate... Maybe they, they did! They, they did, you just didn't notice it. Oh, you were movie. probably dying of thirst from the oh, popcorn. <laughs> Yeah. Quite like the effect. I liked how they are used because we've discussed this a million times before. I have an issue with people who are or who have tools that are so amazingly powerful and can do absolutely everything that it becomes boring. Whereas the way they've designed these, again, it has a power source that provides almost like thrust, for want of a better phrase. So it can be used to punch things. It can be used to create sort of a gravitational sound barrier that causes you to be able to lift yourself off the floor but there's quite a specific strength or a source of what it can do which Mm. is good because what you don't want is like for example the infinity gauntlet which can do everything for me as a concept fortunately because of the way it fit into the story it was fine because the whole aim was to stop it from getting to that stage but if you'd have had a story purely about someone who could do everything all the time whenever they wanted you'd just gone (sighs) boring without those rings he has no super powers no his superpower if you will he's been trained in all different types of martial arts he knows how to kill you with one finger because he's been trained in the chakras to shove his finger in the side of your carotid I beg your pardon wait, he, would, he shall not be shoving his finger anywhere give you the shocker <laughs> <laughs> might laugh it off or be on the floor crying <laughs> having been abused but he has no powers the rings are the powers what I did find was interesting it just dawned on me when they were like fully erect <laughs> the time in which he had them he was in the 80s fashion when you used to roll your sleeves up if you were in the 90s or the noughties you'd have your sleeves down you wouldn't see the fuckers would you no when he's walking down the street in his trouser pants you've just mentioned fashion I mean you've brought me nicely then I was going to save it but I'm going to get it off my chest now as you talk about fashion I thought the outfits of all of the characters throughout the course of this film were great whatever they were whether they be the traditionally Chinese outfits whether it just be the normal clothes that that character was wearing however somebody needs to have a word about the footwear on this film I just to caveat this with where I stand generally Jesus sandals as I like to call them which are those weird sandals I see lots of people wearing blokes generally where they have like the velcro ones and they have one strap that goes off sort of near to where the knuckle of the toes are and then one that sort of goes over the bridge of the thing and then one that goes round the back I call them Jesus sandals they are quite literally the most vile thing ever I mean I have an issue with feet anyway my general 
general approach to men's feet in particular are we should just have them cut off and walk around on stumps from birth women I think you get some nice pretty feet and sometimes not if it's not you two should have them lopped off at birth certainly for blokes it's like I don't want to see your hairy toes you and I agree on that entirely I have a problem with what I could refer to as stupid shoes <laughs> and included in stupid shoes are flip flops I'm not being funny the noise that they make when someone's walking just wind me up I want to punch someone right in the face not just once just repeatedly punch them because all you can hear is it's like you're climbing up a fucking building now those those shoes would be good no one's flip-flops mate then you've got crocs if you can't bend down to do a fucking shoelace up you've given up on life and also we're supposed to be eco-friendly those things will outlast cockroaches You'll have Greta Thunberg turning one into a little boat, like a little canoe in a croc. There's my point on bloody shitty shoe wear. Because when Woo looked pretty smart, the first time I noticed it was when they'd captured Sean and Katie and been brought back to That's his right. lair or palace or whatever the hell yeah. it is, his main base. And he comes out in this pretty suave white outfit, looking a bit dapper. You know, he's an older man, dressing well for his age. He's yep. looking pretty stylish, nice and slender, you know, sexy and sophisticated. And then look down to his feet and he's got these bloody sandals on and go oh dude no go back inside and change them shoes it's when they panned out and they did the wide shot we should have watched it in widescreen it would have top and tailed it you'd never see his feet then would you but because we saw it in IMAX there's your problem listeners go and see it in widescreen not IMAX because we won't actually see his feet in widescreen 1080p even Michelle Yeoh's character she was wearing them as well I think I clocked a bunion Uh again she looked fantastic in her outfit it was business like while still very sexy and beautiful and culturally great appropriate and then they went and spoiled it with these horrible sandals we were discussing this with Ishtar after the film where we were discussing about why as a kung fu expert who has to remain and this isn't a pun on your toes at all times in case someone comes around the corner and wants to kill you or lynch you or just generally kick you in the head why you would walk around in these sandals because surely the effectiveness of your kicking will be impacted by the exposure of said toes well you'd break your toes wouldn't you I've got boots on and I reckon if I give someone a roundhouse kick now there is a question over whether I could physically achieve a roundhouse kick and if I did attempt one how many muscles I might snap in the process but let's assume for a second that I'm an able-bodied fully limber fit athletic person like Sean and I swing my foot round and clock you round the side of the head with my boots and then let's duplicate that situation let's create a multiverse scenario where I'm wearing sandals and I do exactly the same kick which one do you think is likely to knock out the odd tooth oh the first one but the second one you're going to lose your shoe (laughs) exactly we then started to hypothesise about (laughs) the health benefits of wearing sandals so you've got your corns your verrucas you've got your athlete's foot you've got your scrotty toenails (laughs) I mean blisters on your heels those shoes would give you so many bad (laughs) blisters you'd have like a pus filled blister and what would happen is he would round out it'd burst in your face face. so I suppose there isn't an added benefit because if I get a toenail in my mouth instead of like a hard shoe maybe I might vomit myself to death like Katie when she sings into their face to distract them you'd be like they're blase what are you going to do with a Jesus sandal shoe and next minute they hit you and either a blister splatters your face right and you're either gagging or you're blind in one eye and you've got pink eye so you're now distracted for a good 10 seconds and meanwhile he's repeatedly punching you like that big tree trunk and while you're trying to gather yourself and you've got a mouthful of tooth well, you won't, of and, and when he kicks you won't be able to see for the hair off the toe as well you know like when Frodo when, hits you when someone I don't know occasionally and I can't remember the scenario when this has happened <laughs> 
but when someone sort of flicks their hair back and you get a mouthful of hair yeah. it'd be a bit like that with a toe hair wouldn't it you just get like a mouthful of hair mouthful of puss like eating a fairby oh my god it's like wearing a fairby on your foot I feel a little bit sick I mean I'm at the limit of my tolerance I'm dry gagging here it's like I've just had some salted <laughs> popcorn that's the thing it'd be distracting you might you might be just shit at fighting maybe that's what it is maybe they're not great I know, fighters I, I feel like we're actually talking ourselves round to why it was probably better to wear the sandals for fighting in from a fashion sense I remain stalwartly staunchly in the no absolutely no camp well we've covered in another podcast why I'm anti shit shoe footwear <laughs> having seen said Spider-Man photograph with sandals with white socks that is enough to put anyone off psychologically shitty shoes for the rest of your life practically if you're going to be doing any form of martial arts I'd be wearing Totex <laughs> Bill caps. yeah like the villain in James Bond with there's a knife underneath why would you need to do all those fancy kicks if you're wearing steel toe caps you just do a full upcut to the cream crackers yeah and then run you know that masked ninja dude death dealer I mean death dealer won't stand five minutes with me with some steel toe caps he can wave his arms around all he likes but I'm going straight for the nutsack <laughs> would you mention in death dealer he although I thought it was a woman come on to that later is there anyone wearing sensible shoe wear is there yeah I mean she, I know it we'll refer to it as it because well, we, we don't know well, we, we, I, I, I had no idea who the hell this character was they didn't really give any background particularly and well that's going to affect my rating later on but we will cover that in a minute because it's an easter egg but also a little cool. bit of for the listeners in the Ishtar camp give a bit of background to the character that's from the comics but also in the film by the way she walked she's a woman's man no time to talk thank you BGs I got the impression it was a female by the her gate but anyway whether it was a man or not it doesn't dead make now. any difference dead <laughs> spoilers was wearing normal shoes like ninjas have the toe thing they have soft shoes because it's dead quiet they do not wear Jesus sandals because you just trip up and also the ten ring guys they weren't wearing Jesus sandals they were wearing sensible shoes you wouldn't climb scaffold I'm telling you in those shoes <laughs> but I agree with you entirely it's not a good idea and it lost points because of that I do however feel that all fighting styles should adopt the singing random songs into the face of the aggressor that is a good way to distract someone when you're spitting toenail out your mouth because when, when Katie mentions this at the beginning of the film you kind of laugh it off as one of those funny scenarios and then I did genuinely just then forget about it and so when she actually does it in the face of these ninja warriors a little bit of wee came out I was laughing that hard I heard you oh it was so funny you had a few laugh out loud moments didn't I you? did the Hotel California scene was yeah. definitely when Mr. Trevor Slattery yeah. was another one when I saw him I did laugh out loud again I thought that was hilarious who apparently is from Liverpool now not Cockney yeah okay so for the benefit of our English listeners you will be able to probably appreciate this for the benefit of the American listeners who probably don't necessarily pick up as much on the accents suffice to say I'd have to re-watch Iron Man 3 for this you said he was Cockney in that mm. and he very definitely was trying to be a scouser from Liverpool in this one he did a very bad Paul McCartney accent mm. and it was a woeful scouse accent as well to caveat that if you go to Liverpool because we're not from Liverpool we're from Wirral well I'm again. from Yorkshire so I'm absolutely not you have a what I consider a bit of a Liverpoolian accent insofar as it's a Merseyside accent you have that scouse twang to you it's regional but it's not scouse scouse because you're no. not from Liverpool they're scousers yes so, so my dad's from Liverpool yeah so imagine yeah. Latham's accent but on steroids I have to de-skill to do the actual Beckoni and I have to de-skill most I've drooling is when I do that <laughs> 
and I have five eyes. When you go to Liverpool, depending on where you go, and also when you say Liverpool, you sound scouse, so you can't really win with that, can you? But if you go to, for example, Bootle and yeah. Crosby, theirs is a different dialect to if you went to Allerton. Yeah. And then if you went to Naughty Ash, it would be different again. What television tends to do on reality shows mostly is get the most scouse person ever. Well, Line of Duty, the wife of the guy. Yes. Now, I won't say any more than that in case people haven't seen it and spoil it, but she clearly isn't scouse because that's a horrible yep. scouse accent. What she tries to do is go proper hardcore yep. scouse and then fails miserably. So she aims high, goes in hard, and to continue the metaphor, royally knocks herself out unconscious on the wall in the process. Although the guy in it is from Liverpool. Well, he is. And, and he's uh, actually, that's the scouse. Yeah, yeah, that's his proper yeah. accent. So yeah. he was great, but she, I mean, whoa. She just took a <laughs> and a in there every now and again just to try and make it. Yeah. And it's like, nah, I love you. You're clutching at Scouse. And if she is generally Scouse, she still did a bad job. Yeah, I don't think she is Scouse. She didn't do a great job. That's the problem. And anywhere outside of Manchester, everyone thinks you're from Liverpool anyway. It doesn't matter whether you're from Yorkshire or not. As soon as you get to Birmingham, they think you're Scouse. But for the purpose of this, Trevor came on board. Now, we'll all remember him from Iron Man 3. He was the Mandarin. Correct. Until the big spoiler at the end, where he's not the Mandarin. It turns out he's an actor who has been hired by Killian. Aldrich Killian, yeah. Well, we then assume is the Mandarin, but actually... He's not the Mandarin. And he never says he is either, in fairness. It's alluded to based on the whole pantomime-esque style of the fact that the smoke and mirrors going on. Trevor Slattery has been paid to give the media-style look of the Mandarin. And there was, suffice to say, a shitstorm about this. I mean, I thought it was a brilliant bombshell to drop in the film because you assume he's this big bad. And because it's Ben Kingsley who's playing him, you assume it's going to be a big one. And then... Gandhi. Yeah, it was a fantastic bombshell to drop, and I thought it was very funny. But understandably, there was certainly the comic book world, and certainly the people who have an issue with whitewashing, which is perfectly justifiable, who were going, hang on a minute, the Mandarin being played by a white guy who actually turns out not to be the Mandarin in the first place. People got quite upset about that, and they dealt with it quite nicely in this film, didn't they? If you've seen the DVD Thor release, there was a Marvel one-shot called all hail the king it was all explained in that that the mandarin did exist and that he was just basically the front of it all and so it addressed whilst he's in state penitentiary or whatever that it was all a gig for him to do from an acting point of view and in fact the mandarin was still out there and was in the mcu although people going oh it's whitewashing the same as we had with people going oh there's not enough female characters and there is this was another thing just to come back on that i suppose the issue people had was that the mandarin's actually one of those great baddies those well-known baddies from the comic book and of course he is from China is that right yeah, 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 yeah he's from China and so I think people had an issue with almost making a mockery of one of those great baddies who happens to come from a part of the world that hasn't been represented in the Marvel Universe at that time however clever it might have been what they did and it was nice to sort of see that put right and I don't mean that as in it was quite nice that almost Trevor Slattery was apologetic about it he was kind of like yep yeah, you know it wasn't the best way of doing it I was just pretending to be someone and it was also quite nice for the real Mandarin to come forward and it turns out he's actually a real badass. I always look at it from the linear point of view of a MCU trajectory they know where they're going with all of these characters they plant seeds very early on that don't pay dividends until 10, 20 years later. I fundamentally love the fact that I just let them crack on with it. I don't get offended by things, I don't get upset by things. I get offended when there's purposely doing stuff. I know but I suppose it was the disappointment of if people like the Mandarin as a character I suppose in Iron Man 3 they would have felt that they've squalled because quite often in Marvel they've had potentially good baddies who they 
they've killed off and then we haven't seen them ever again and Correct. I suppose the fear is that Iron Man 3 was here's the Mandarin oh, oh it's not and then you're never going to see or hear from the Mandarin again and I think it's quite nice that they've picked that up and gone no you are going to see the Mandarin here he is and he's a badass who wears shit shoes but then you see I just think that they know where they're going with everything and the stuff that they've mentioned that we haven't even seen yet but I have a feeling we will that was mentioned in Iron Man 1 another example Red Skull we saw him in Endgame we now know he exists again or he didn't die we saw him in Captain America but then we never saw him again like, oh well that was a bit of a waste well now we saw him in Endgame so we know he still exists in the MCU they had the little tease of the Mandarin the way their trajectory was going to where it ended with Endgame all they've done is plant seeds throw in tethers to stuff so they can call back to it at any time I think that's given them a lot of opportunities where unlike DC DC then throw all of this connective tissue in without having anything established which is harder to create a following or even keep on track with where they're going and it's all disjointed now people can go yeah Ten Rings was mentioned in Iron Man 2 Ten Rings has been in Iron Man 1 Iron Man 2 Iron Man 3 it all connects now and now we've rounded that story arc off we know the Ten Rings exist they may have adapted over the centuries we go back a thousand years according to the film and the Mandarin has very cleverly used smoke and mirrors being hidden behind all of this to build this huge empire people go Jesus where'd that come from it's always been there but we've discounted it because we've got this guy who's an actor Shakespearean actor playing the fool I think that was a great thing and yes it was a disappointment to fans maybe if you want to say rectified I think they've rounded that story off and while they've rounded that story off they've continued the story as well as throwing off other branches that will connect into other films I just think that's very clever as we talk about this I realise how many strong characters there are in this film generally you've got Shang-Chi who as a good guy is very likeable you want him to succeed you want him to do well I felt very warm fuzzy mm. feelings towards him you've got Katie we've already discussed who's just absolutely hilarious yes. love her we've mentioned Mr Slattery I thought that was great I didn't even need to bring him in for comic relief you know it's Ben Kingsley you've got a knighted actor essentially it's a bit of a bit part he's just so funny someone like that can often become a Jar Jar Binks type character where they're so ridiculously the comic character that yeah. they almost become stupid he never really did that even though he was a very comical character everything he did again made me laugh out loud I thought he was brilliant it's all about timing I think if you're going to do comedy well it's all about timing and not over intellectualising jokes it's about spatial awareness and the humour at that moment so if you regaled it to someone who hadn't seen the film it probably wouldn't be funny however if you were both watching it because I think there was a moment with his character where you were just laughing hysterically in the corner like a loon because I heard you across three seats but he's not trying to be funny the Planet of the Apes thing you were laughing at yeah the way he delivered oh, the monkeys yeah. yeah so he was delivering the fact that we know if you've seen the Charlton Heston film that, or even the Tim Burton reboot the monkeys aren't monkeys they're people in CGI or great costumes, costumes. Yeah. he's regaling the story and that's why that's funny that's what got him into acting and arguably he's not the greatest actor Trevor's a great character but you've also got Dad Wenwu he's a great character he's sort of the baddie but then doesn't become the big bad which is when I it lost me slightly in this film Mum's quite a cool character she only plays a small part in this but when she's kicking dad's ass when they first come across each other that was quite good I enjoyed the scene with them actually and when you say Shang-Chi doesn't have any real powers I'd sort of call being able to control the surroundings a power it's not specifically I know but I can't do it so that qualifies I mean I know there's other things I can't do like bend down and touch me toes which doesn't necessarily mean everyone who can do that has a superpower but well I'm using the comics as my source so in the comics he hasn't got any powers other than the rings in here what they've adapted is that his mum is spiritually powered by the fact that she's in this mystical magical let's call it a magical realm because essentially it is because there's a bit of a easter egg that shows that it's a new realm she has this 
this ability. I mean, I wouldn't mind her working in my back garden because she'd suck all those leaves up right away. <laughs> yeah, you could save yourself a fortune Absolutely. on the leaf the blowers. Blower, yeah. yeah. So as soon as that you've got that massive tree comes autumn, it's all over your garden. Get her in. Whoosh, gone. She'd make a fortune. She guardian would. services. Yeah. Then you've got Lee, who is the sister, Shang Chi's sister. Jangling. Yeah, yeah. She's a badass. Well, she's in the Golden Dagger Club, isn't she? Yeah. She owns it. So she's badass. Then you've got Ying Nan, who is Michelle Yeoh's character. She's yeah. Auntie. Auntie Nan. She, she's she's called Nan, which I thought was funny. Yeah. She's the auntie, but she's called Nan. Even Guang Bo, he was hilarious. This is the guy who introduces them to the club. Yeah. There's actually an interesting thing I'm going to throw into that because we won't be coming back to this. When they go in, people might not have picked up on it. Katie says she doesn't speak Chinese. He speaks to in Chinese and she seems to understand. But it's not her fluent tongue, is it? When they get out the lift because she's worried it's going to fall off the side of the building because she doesn't speak fluent, John says, it's fine, I speak good ABC, which means American-born Chinese. Ah, right, okay. People were laughing at that and I'm thinking, you probably don't know what it means. No, I thought they just meant American, but yeah, I'm glad you've clarified that. There was actually quite a lot of really strong characters, mm. some of whom we won't see again because they're dead, and others, which is a shame, and yes. others who we will saw Razor Fist. I mean, I didn't really know who Razor Fist is, but I presume he's definitely a comic book character. He, well, he is, going back to the 70s. Got a bit more of a backstory to him and some Easter eggs with regards to Razor Fist, notably his car sponsored by BMW. If you'd like to be a sponsor of the show, it's the two marks at bossstation.co.uk. We would drive around in BMW. I would. I'm not a snob. I wouldn't normally drive a BMW because they've always been rude in the car showrooms, but if they want to give me a free car, I'm happy to retract that statement. <laughs> <laughs> That's how shallow, shallow we are. Razor Fist has his um, pimped up ride in this, doesn't he? And there's a lot of BMW logos everywhere. Got some backstory on him later. Yeah, it was quite a strong film in terms of, bearing in mind this is the first instalment of this particular franchise. Yeah. It came in all guns blazing. Don't forget also, Marvel, they do casting very well. There's always going to be the naysayers that say, oh, shouldn't do that. Ultimately, I think, to get so Ben Kingsley. Oscar winner. And then you've got people might know from other TV shows or movies. I mean, obviously we know. From, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. The others, I mean, the, the guy who played Wen Wu, this is his first American speaking film. All right. What you've then created is characters you didn't know much about, actors you didn't know that well, but it worked. The acting of the characters was great. Intermixed in that is people who you do know, so Wong. You mentioned Wong. We see Wong in the Golden Dagger, was it? The Golden Dagger Club, yeah. That was alluded to, although we didn't know that's what it was in the trailers. Well, they did what they've done with a few. Well, C they did it with Endgame. Endgame, with yeah. With, they've CGI'd stuff out purposely because fans would immediately know what it meant. With the teaser trailer, which was like the 15, 20 second trailer they did, the good thing with COVID, we're going to benefit this year from a lot of Marvel movies. This one, they've had to push out the trailers pretty sharpish. The first one, the teaser one, they'd cut him out. with. They put Abomination in, didn't they? They didn't do the, the full-on fight scene with Abomination. You just saw him in the distance. The, the wide shot just showed two people fighting in a ring, focused on Shang-Chi and Katie, whereas the fuller teasers, they were showing Abomination because obviously fans would go, whoa, get proper excited. And then because of Spider-Man, they had to release the Spider-Man trailer because it was being leaked. You also see Wong in that, who's going through a portal. I'm surmising that that might tie into where he's leaving and he's leaving to go to Shang-Chi in the yeah. old timeline. Because Wong's a great character. We loved him from the Doctor Strange movie. We did. It was nice to see him in this one. This is set in 2023, by the way. Yeah. As is Doctor Strange 2. Right. Multiverse of Madness. So there is the chance that in the trailer for Spider-Man and everything else, which is set in 2023 as well, that when he 
says to Doctor Strange, don't do the spell. And what's through the portal? And walk through the portal, he's, he's going, going to, go to Shang-Chi. Yeah, to have a fight. Possibly. The thing with that is, it's a bit of a gig they've got between the two of them. They don't hate each other. They're both fighting for a bit of money. Maybe they're fighting to raise the profile of the Golden Dagger Club and do a favour. Arguably, the Sanctum Sanctatorium don't need money per se, but they're not allowed to make money because that's a breach of their code of ethics. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a goody isn't sister, is she? She was quite a nice, complex little thing. There's obviously a love and a hate between her and her brother. A love because brother's sister, hate because he jibbed her off. She hasn't really got over that fact. And that he received more attention and more favour because he was a boy. In the meantime, she had to do it the hard way and has done pretty well for herself off the back of that. Mm. And then, of course, at the end of the movie, you have her going to clear up the remnants of the Ten Rings which actually transpires that she's just expanding her empire oh, in into the, the Ten Rings. In the end credits. Second yeah, yeah, yeah. Credit. She clearly has decided she wants more power, more control. She's in charge and she's got an opportunity here and she's prepared to take it. So I suspect at some point her interests and her brother's interests are going to clash. A strong character, acted very well. You know, she's been done down because her father wouldn't let her be part of the Ten Rings. Then she's learned how to weaponize herself. Technically, in the comics... Shang-Chi is a villain. Really? Yeah, and he's actually deemed a villain because he was raised to be a weapon. A lot of other superheroes deem him to be a villain. Okay. His whole purpose in the comics was to be raised to run the Five Weapons Society. So when you say it's interesting because his sister, actually, technically, they're both villains. She's taught herself how to do that Mortal Kombat move with the rope and the... Oh, that's such a cool weapon. I mean, I tried it in the back garden and uh, my washing line is now gone. Um, <laughs> and so's the gnome. A lot of the shrubs have all got topiary. <laughs> Come full circle because now the a power vacuum. We've established Shang-Chi's good. She's now going to be running the Ten Rings. You'll notice from the end credit scene there's now women soldiers who are all masked up. They're all ready for COVID. Basically a big fuck off to her dad. But that's quite an interesting dynamic. When we joined Sean at the outset, he's doing a, a straightforward, easy come, easy go job. And Katie's doing the same job. They're quite happy with that. They don't appear to have any huge aspirations. They don't have any huge ambitions. There's no pretenses that they want lots of money and lots of power etc and it was quite nice that at the end of the film their personal makeup remained very much intact they're quite easy come easy go type characters and so off the back of her now finding out that Sean is this kung fu guru and she can now fire an arrow and a bow they're like oh let's go and do superhero shit certainly when Wong comes through and he's like you need to come with me and they're like yeah well, we're not doing anything else and then they're off yeah. and they're quite happy to jump from adventure to adventure because that's the way they live their lives which yep. is fabulous whereas sister on the other hand she's built this golden dagger empire yep. now there's a vacuum where her dad's gone and she's true to her character's gone I'm having some of that and I'm adding it to me buddy empire and so it's quite nice because the two characters from when we first met them are still very much true to where they were at the beginning of the film there's not been this you start the film with this personality and you end the film with a completely different personality because you've seen the air of your ways blah 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 no. they've stuck they're like, right, this is me and I'm having some of that. She'd built up that fight club from scratch, got there on her own. Katie and Sean have lived this easy-going lifestyle, as you say. So for them, it's easy for them to continue the adventures where she's just continuing her trajectory. They become counterpoints to each other. Also wonderful when it's siblings because of that rivalry. And, and there's that personal affection. We've seen it between Thor and Loki, haven't we, where mm. they are very different people with very different aspirations, ambitions, and, I suppose, moral structures. But there is still that love which makes it 
very complicated when they come up against one another. Iron sharpens iron. It actually gives you a better story. You have got that sibling rivalry. You wonder how would you, within the, the superhero scenario, could you kill your brother? How would you feel if you were up against your brother face to face? It's all right if maybe if someone else takes them out, but if you've got to do it yourself, I think it's going to be moving forward because we know they're going to return. They've, they've done that twice now. They've done a James Bond style ending. The Ten Rings will return. We know something's going to happen because of the TV show. We could find through the TV shows that ties into the movies. It's quite interesting though. We've just described Lee and her ambitious tendencies, her refusal to be considered or indeed to settle for being less powerful or less strong or less capable than her brother. And yet the Ten Rings is quite an interesting element in that equation when you gives up the rings. Well, he sort of has them taken off of him to be perfectly honest. I mean, he gives them up voluntarily in the end, but that was only because he's had his ass kicked thoroughly beforehand. She lets Sean take the ring, so he's now the possessor of them. It'll be interesting to see whether she changes her mind at some point in the future and decides that she would like to have them, that she's as capable and as worthy and wants them because of the power that it will add to her already existing wealth of power. Because they're in the midst of a battle and everybody's interest for her to allow him to have them at that moment in time. But I wonder whether that might not be something that she gets a sparkly little eyes on at some point. Well, that may be part of the storyline. The other thing as well is she's been opened up to the dragons with severe dandruff, the dragon scales <laughs> technology. She knows how to get to the spiritual place, Tallow. She may have stolen or taken for herself. Borrowed. Borrowed indefinitely. Put, put in the pockets. You know, like when you go to those, I don't know, when you go to a restaurant, there's that, that bowl of mints and you just help yourself to an extra couple when no one's looking. Just tip the bowl in your bag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she may have taken some of that technology. It's interesting you bring that point up. She doesn't seem overly bothered that he's got the Ten Rings and it shows his depth of character when Wong takes them off him. He doesn't give a big fight. He's not precious about no, it because he doesn't know Wong. I get the impression that with Wen Wu it became a fixation about trying to get his mother back. That was a part of his character growth as he took the rings off when he fell in love, put them in a box. But even before then it was very Lord of the Rings, wasn't it? It was yes. like he's got the rings on, he ain't taking the rings off because that's his power, he needs to be in control, he wants more power and that's why he's got these rings on whereas Shang-Chi's very much quite frankly not asked. That's a nice point that maybe isn't focused on enough. After all of this backstory to the power these rings wield, well in the fight scene you see the change of the colour which indicates good and evil. He hasn't gone, they're mine, don't be touching them, I want them back. He's just given them well, away. Well he even gave them back to his dad didn't yeah. he? he was, I've got them, I've just taken them from you, I could just put them on my wrist yeah. now but actually I'm not bothered. Yeah, no. have them back. The person who wears them is immortal. Yeah. I would challenge anyone who didn't have access to that level of power to give it away freely. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Just shows testimony to his character. Wong turns up through a portal and goes, yeah, mate, have them. I'd wear them absolutely. For all those people who drive like 20 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone, boom, they're getting it. People who don't say thank you when you open the door for them, boom, they're getting it. I'd have them on and off like a bloody whatever you take on and off on a regular basis. Your pants. (laughs) (laughs) Oi, oi. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. What are you up to? Realise you shouldn't do that in waiting rooms. <laughs> or public. Then you would annoy me at meetings because you'd just be bangling all the live long day. Yeah, you'd be doing that. I'd have to go, well, to be fair, I wouldn't say anything because you'd probably boom me out. Well, exactly. <laughs> when people moaning me about saying, like, boom, yeah. done. Can you stop bangling? <laughs> 
This film, I felt, formed two very distinct... I won't say halves, because that suggests there's 50%. The first two-thirds of this film are one film, and then the final act of this film is a very different film. So the first two parts are very much set in America, very much set in the modern day, are very much set around characters in the real world. And I'm doing air quotes, which I appreciate nonsensical for a podcast medium. But that's how it is. And then the final act, they go to this mystical world. Talos? Talon? Talo. Tallow. Mm. I knew we'd get it right eventually. Also called Dalutian, which means the great canopy of heaven. Got you. But they go there and it just goes very mystical. Very mystical. We have creatures we don't recognise. We have dragons. We have dragon skins. It just goes very magical. Now, I'm going to put my cards on the table and say I absolutely loved the first two thirds of this film and was less invested when it went on magical because I feel disconnected. I think is the best way okay. to describe it because I don't walk past mystical dragons on a daily basis. Why not? I struggle. I struggle to see it real. The reason why I like Batman better than Superman is because Batman's real. If I became a multi-billionaire person, I could very much see myself doing stupid shit like Batman. Whereas I couldn't be Superman because I don't have superpowers. And it's sort of the same okay. scenario here where I can see myself going to this Chinese temple full of these ninja warriors and find. Obviously, I wouldn't, but finding yourself in that situation so my imagination allows me to attach that reality to it which makes it feel real as soon as you go mystical there's that danger of disconnect i like your position on that because for someone who's a harry potter fan that has moving staircases but harry potter is a school essentially and they explain why you don't know it exists as a non-magical person because you're not supposed to because they don't want you to and in order to get from the non-magical world to the magical world they explain like the trick platforms etc etc so there is a logical explanation for that and even that world is grounded in very sort of real rules that make it feel more realistic so when you're a kid you don't just have all these magical powers you have to learn those powers and there are people who are better than than others and there are people who are better at certain things than others so what you do is you find yourself like in the real world where you might be better at maths and I might be better at science and actually we might both be shit at both of those things it's the same with that so there is that reality grounding that makes it feel like okay if there was a magical world I can kind of see that whereas here I don't know it just certainly when you had these dragons flying around at the end it felt very what's that bloody film where never ending story no the Japanese one where you've got the people fighting in the robots Pacific Rim but the kaijus yeah Yeah. so it feels very Pacific Rim it feels very Godzilla-y and I hate that shit well see for me you see you like Harry Potter that has paint things that move has little snitches that fly around and moving staircases and ghosts that talk to you in toilets you accept in your understanding of the magical realm there however stuff that's grounded in Asian mythology I've got a list of all the creatures just for extracurricular but I like mythology I like mythology to be mythology what they've done is they've made mythology real and it's very hard to explain I can see a little bit but you see I'm looking at like for example Asgard right and Thor is all very Norse mythology 
technology and they've made that real and that's a different realm the Bifrost so they've made that real but that's an alien planet so it, you kind of go alright that's an alien planet so that is going to be weird and wonderful Guardians of the Galaxy set miles away from us so it's going to be weird shit you just have to accept that there's going to be lots of stuff you don't see you don't recognise you don't understand this is planet Earth and there's loads of shit it is a different realm well this is the thing you see it is a different realm right one of my easter eggs explains when they have that whirlpool yeah that's another realm and I suppose it'll I mean I didn't enjoy the fact the big final fight scene at the end with the dragons which was preset by the world's worst script lines I mean we joked to one another at the time that it was clearly Friday afternoon and everyone wanted to go to the pub so they were like well how do we finish this scene off well what we do is we go oh no what's that oh um it's a big dragon we should fight together we should band together even though we've been killing each other no I'm not going to f- oh wait no uh, yes let's let's get together okay hurrah Ugh. it was super shit was that bit what you're talking about is the tone of it shifted so you've gone from I think which is probably the second act where you know you've created this story where you've introduced everyone you've got the backstory and now you're doing this the journey so you've got the MacGuffin they've got to find this mystical place you've got people being thrown off scaffold being killed and the third act is people being essentially stunned shooting magical power shit at each other and yeah, stuff but they weren't getting killed the tone of it shifted from being we're literally going to just kill you to let's just wrap you up in some electrical tape and then when we all work together you can just release them they can get up I mean it might be funny the soul reavers did more damage but it literally on a dime went from I hate you I love you let's get together dance DN me yes let's do tea I've just invited you to like my Instagram page this is me with death dealer oh hang on he's dead <laughs> <laughs> and also when they went let's get the army and they turned up with five Humvees that's not an army that's a day out with your kids if you've got lots of kids and the extended family that's a Christmas dinner so when five Land Rover Discoveries arrive and ten people or twenty people get out and against a village of people that is not an army in sandals when you've seen the intro and he has a huge army that's an army six Humvees filled with people which can only fit about five in each one unless you're putting people on the roof rack to fight a village full of mystical warriors yeah and a it massive. feels like you're underestimating them a touch. A little bit. And even if you have got your ten ring pieces, ultimately, you're going to be on your own. Well, he did fuck all anyway. I mean, he let everyone else fight while he just walked through the middle to go straight to the thing. So he wasn't yeah. even planning on using the ten rings for that purpose, yeah. which is why he begs the question, why don't you bring more men to just make sure that if you were going to do Sweet Fanny, that you could still get through and do your bit. Agreed. That scene, you and I both 100% agree on. It's a 12A. I get they have to be less violent. It's not an R-rated show. The first two bits went from buses exploding and people possibly getting decapitated, people on scaffold being killed, lots of fighting and action too. I'll just taser you. Someone then just using his ring piece to get across a river. <laughs> that was where it scored a bit low for me. I differ on you in that I allow for the fact that we're moving more into the realms of we're not in Kansas anymore. The film after this is the Eternals so if you thought that was a fucking nightmare but you see the Eternals I know is set in that sort of environment in the same way as Guardians of the Galaxy I'm happy to when we start the film I know the journey I'm going to be on is one that's going to feel unfamiliar whereas this starts familiar and then goes unfamiliar and that just didn't feel natural for me and so in that third act I just felt a little less invested than I had been up to that point I mean it did end up a bit like Chinese New Year but let me ask you the question when you went to Guardians of the Galaxy if you can 
remember that far back. When you went in... I didn't know anything okay, about Guardians. Which is good. How did you feel having seen other Earth-grounded films and then seeing Guardians of the Galaxy? It was great because of the way they told the story. I mean, from the outset, it was the characters were trees and blue people and folks who could do stuff that was just utterly ridiculously hilarious. So it sort of set the scene straight out that this was going to be batshit crazy and you're just going to have to get on board and let it go with the flow. Whereas this one, doesn't it? starts with people who are valets doing yeah. kung fu fighting, which is familiar, jumping from buildings in America, which is familiar, and then they go to China, where there are buildings which you recognise in terms of style, and there's still people who are fighting kung fu, doing martial arts stuff, which again feels familiar, and then they go into this mystical world where it's like, I suppose I didn't feel prepared. With Guardians, you're like, right, you're just going to have to go along for the ride here, whereas I felt I was on a particular journey and then halfway well three quarters of the way through the journey they went nope you're not on this journey you need to get out of the car get in another car and go in a completely different direction I think it was being asked to move from that car to that car that left me going fuck I was comfy in that car why do, why do I have to get in a new car I love my analogies don't I mean, this is and, weird and because nobody writes in they just stand I'm just going to keep going with them no one challenges them I did feel that like the third act became a little bit like Big Trouble in Little China or Gremlins because you're moving into the Asian culture now where it is very mystical you've got to embrace that simply because that's their culture it's an Asian character half Asian if you include the comics but a character that is now moving into that realm and is a realm established by the water portal yeah I'm just not sure it needed to be in this film I would have actually been happy if they'd have maybe just left it perhaps introduced it in this film but then maybe kicked in big style for the second movie so it felt a bit more natural it's like we're now telling you a new story where he's gone into this new realm and I now understand I didn't even realise it was a different realm to be particularly honest and so I feel like I hadn't been fully explained and bearing in mind I'm obviously an enthusiast and bearing in mind I've got you sitting next to me so I can fire more on questions at you not everyone does have that facility and not everyone has that motivation so you do wonder whether Joe Public who isn't as invested in the Marvel Universe isn't sitting there going yeah that was alright wasn't it I pigeonhole those people as the same people who walk out of a Marvel film oh my god how many people did that in the cinema exactly you are idiots yeah for the record you're all fuckwits 25 movies in god knows how many TV shows what the fuck are you doing walking and, out and then there was people walking back in because presumably people going oh yeah you know there's a post thing oh yeah we would best go back in you what well it's that awkward stupidity where you're loitering in the corridor because you don't want to go back to your seat because you're going to be passing people who are also leaving it's like okay when you get to like movie 25 plus TV series and they've all had them it's like come on people yeah this should come with a sort of an intelligence test before you come in have you seen the Marvel film before yes do you know there's post credits yes okay you can come in do you know no okay you're staying outside <laughs> and never return <laughs> never return never darken our door couldn't believe that but they're the people who probably go and see it as a popcorn movie not a salted double salted popcorn movie that's fine yeah. doing that I just feel that they're missing out it's like watching the second of a trilogy of films it might be a good second film but you don't understand the because connection. you've missed yeah you don't yeah. understand the tissue or the story arcs or the characters because you missed the first and the third movie and it's like I just don't understand how people could do that that drive me insane no I agree I don't know but then you see you know we're not them no I suppose and I suppose they're not us so what's the future hold for Shang-Chi because the post credit spoilers obviously have him with Wong and they're discussing the Ten Rings they're trying to understand their origin their power sources there is obviously the 
pulsating power thing at the end. <laughs> Very well described, of course. The pulsating ring piece. Yes, which they're trying to understand. And so the fact that they've brought them to the inner sing sanctorium thing nicely ties them to Doctor Strange's world. And perhaps you think has tied them into another character which people won't necessarily yet be familiar with. Wong automatically ties you into Doctor Strange. He's also, as I said, been seen in the Spider-Man trailer. We know this connection there. He's also, as I said before, got a relationship with Abomination. When they leave for the portal, the cell looks like what was designed in Avengers by Nick Fury that was supposed to hold the Hulk. Because you remember the scene with Loki and he went... Yeah, Loki's in there in the the first Avengers film. And he says, you know, do you think this is going to hold me? And Nick Fury says it was designed to hold someone bigger and more powerful than you. It looked like a cell. Now, it could be on the raft. We know that that raft wasn't in existence when Abomination was around. That could tie into She-Hulk and also connects to General Ross. But then when we get to the post-credit scene, there's quite a lot to unpack because we have Captain Marvel. We have Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner. We have Wong who's talking and he's playing around with all the rings and realises he's got everyone's ring. He's just fingering all the rings. He's just like, yeah, he's having a good rummage, like a glove puppet. He explains that the moment they were activated, it sent off a signal and everyone's trying to work out how old they are. They ask Shang-Chi and he says, well, my dad said he had them for about a thousand years. Bruce Banner says they didn't look like Chitauri. Captain Marvel says nothing on our database that looks like it. And they say, well, we've got nothing in the Sanctum Sanctorium that looks like any of our codex that would look like any technology we're familiar with. It means that it predates its ancient. Because of the power of it and the look of it, the only powerful character that exists is Galactus. Now, that's a name I've, I'm familiar with. There will be two reasons for that. I haven't a Scooby-Doo who that character is. Well, you will have seen Galactus before because he's in the Fantastic Four. Okay. And you will have remembered the name because when we did either we did our Black Widow pre-podcast or Captain Marvel podcast, I made a prediction that I think Galactus was going to be one of the big bads. And the reason why I thought that is because he has... For the benefit of our listeners, Mark couldn't remember what it is that he has and so has skewed off to his little mind board to get his notes. Power cosmic, which is extremely powerful energy. It has the power to destroy worlds. It has the power of resurrections, telekinesis, anything you can imagine. That's how powerful it is. Because Galactus, who's known as destroyer of worlds or destroyer of planets, he has heralds who he uses, Red Hulk, Superman. There's a story in the comics where he gave some of that power to Superman. He's given it to the Silver Surfer. And what he does is he basically says, if you don't help me, I'm going to destroy your planet and I'll destroy all you people you love. So they end up helping him, but all they are is heralds that pass on messages. So like before we saw Thanos. So Thanos used to give people tasks in it, so Loki was worn. Yeah, Ronan the Accuser was another one, wasn't it? So I suppose it's a similar sort of theme, isn't it? Yeah, so he'll be in the background. The signal's been sent out now. Probably won't see him for a while. Unlike with DC where after the first film film, they had a flashing (laughs) light and then the next film turned up. Yeah, that energy is huge. So I'm saying it's Galactus, one of the most powerful characters in in the comics because we know the Fantastic Four are back at Marvel and we know the Silver Surfer will come back with them there's a chance that that could be across this Phase 4 and we know Phase 4 and Phase 5 is planning to bring in Fantastic Four we see Captain Marvel she has to get away because her page is going so that may link into the Captain Marvel sequel Marvels there's kind of three Easter eggs in one here we see Bruce Banner but Bruce 
Banner is no longer in his form. He's not Dr. Hulk, is he, he's or not, whatever it was? Uh, Professor Hulk. He's Professor, not Professor Hulk. Hulk. Which is interesting because we get the impression that he wasn't able to turn back. No, I got the impression that they'd found that symbiosis where they were happy to have the medium. So Hulk got to be present, but so did Banner. And but in the they Hulk. got the best of but yeah, yeah, so they got Hulk's strength and Banner's brains and they put it together and so there was that harmonious relationship, whereas this implies Banner's back in charge, but he's well, got his arm like. and his sling, hasn't Well, that's after the Ben game snap basically destroys his arm. Now, as was mentioned by the Russo brothers, he's out of action, essentially. So how do you carry on the story of Hulk? We know for a fact that he and Abomination are going to appear in She-Hulk. Now. Okay. Now, She-Hulk, for fans who don't know, it's his cousin, Jennifer Walters. Now, Jennifer Walters is a solicitor, so there's a chance that she could be representing the Abomination. Uh, there's a chance that, well, in the comics, she gets shot by a mafioso type. There's a chance that the reason that works with Bruce Banner being as he is, is he may well give her some of his blood and she ends up being She-Hulk. She's representing Abomination and it could be to do with the Sokovia Accords and we could see Thunderbolt Ross because we know that he is Red Hulk in the comics. We also know Thunderbolt Ross is trying to set up his own gang of people, the Thunderbolts that we've seen across some of the series, US agents, Abomination, all those. Obviously with the multiverse, we may even see Maestro as an alternate version of the Hulk. Okay. We've already talked about the fact that they don't own all of the rights to it. However, with the She-Hulk show... Well, to be honest, any rights they don't own, all the companies who do now own the rights are like, please, can we cake in on your MCU? Absolutely, absolutely. You can have whatever you want. Do it well. Whoever you want, whenever you want. You can use them however you want. Can we just please have a small slice of that pie? It could be the reason to do with rights that we don't see him as Hulk because he's Bruce Banner. Maybe they're acting the She-Hulk they own the rights to and the Hulk, he's not Hulk per se. Yeah. They can use Bruce Banner as maybe a cipher character explain why she ends up being the Hulk. You mean basically Disney have gone, uh, we don't need to use Hulk because he's broken, so we ain't paying no one no more dollar dollar. And so they're basically, they're going, yeah, you see, yeah. I'm flicking the Vs here. You were on our gravy train. We don't need you anymore. Gunsling your hook. We're going to use the character that we do have a vested interest in. And in that we stag. can use, kind of an X-Men type of thing. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say no one? Shithousering. Yeah, it's a grandioso form of shithousery. They're allowed to use that character simply because they have She-Hulk and therefore is and I'm led to believe Jessica Jones may also be involved in that because you're a private detective we know for a fact Tim Roth is resurrecting the abomination because he's broken Hulk as well what they've essentially done is they've gone you've had some your fair share of money now for the ownership of the Hulk you can now have Hulk back but good luck trying to make a movie that's either as good because you're either going to have to reboot recast Hulk completely to make it stand separate from the MCU in order for that character and the use of that character to make sense mm. or you've now got a broken character that you can't do anything with good luck yeah and also, <laughs> oh and you need our permission to do that because he's part of the universe that we are oh, that's fucking brilliant I, I think who owns the rights to the publication of it I think they have to get permission to say can you do another movie so technically if Universal don't do a Hulk movie I'm sure at some point they'll automatically go over to Marvel anyway for fuck all for free so Marvel will just go oh, we'll have him back thank yeah, you oh and guess what Doctor Strange has suddenly got a magic spell that fixes his arm welcome back to the game Hulk Hulk could be <laughs> they are the Galactus of the movie oh, world no. aren't they but this is why I don't get upset with Marvel they know their shit yeah I mean Spider-Man we were talking about the new trailer Spider-Man there is the very real possibility that Sony take Spider-Man and start building mm. their own little universe their own little insulated universe the problem is if Marvel haven't finished with that Spider-Man character and they go off and spoil that character Marvel will find a way of working him out of the storyline because they'll be like you've broken it we're not interested yeah they'll annex it or they'll go away do their own thing and everyone will go yeah but it's not 
not really when you go into the supermarket and you have the buy your own brand and then you've got the posh brand and you know that the posh one's always going to taste better absolutely you're going to have that scenario where it's like yeah it feels very buy your own brand here it's not as good don't taste as good not really asked I'm not going to the cinema to watch that this new Spider-Man marks the end of the contract deal they've got with Sony and knowing that Morbius is coming out and there was the second Venom there was the Sam Raimi logo in the Venom trailer but there was also Vulture appeared in the trailer for Morbius which indicates that both of those are connected to MCU in a way whether it be the multiverse or just in general it could be that they're trying to do a Sinister Six movie on their own they've already laid the plans for six or seven of those characters which would work because they only need six and any that they've killed off Marvel are just giving them the opportunity to bring back because of the multiverse scenario well I mean the multiverse brings back ones from the Sam Raimi universe we're either in prison or whatever so I mean we'll see it just comes down to Marvel know their stuff so bringing us right back to the film we're supposed to be talking about there is a very open book here for where he goes as a character and where his journey will take him because the source of the ring's power might be something that we might not see for a couple of phases in the meantime where he goes which characters he's going to interact with is very much an open book isn't it well according to Kevin Feige he is officially one of the new Avengers yeah he's already been introduced to some of the team Wong says to him doesn't he in the trailer he's like welcome to the team but he doesn't say you're an Avenger Kevin Feige has said he's officially one of the new Avengers I think going back to a comment you made on one of the Loki show podcasts Galactus is going to be the The, big the Thanos of this next phase phase. I think Kang and Mephisto are things that may appear alluded to that Mephisto could well be in the Spider-Man thing I think Kang and Mephisto could be sidebar villains to distract us from the fact that Galactus between phase 4 phase 5 will appear well a bit like Loki Loki was one of those baddies wasn't he He where he kept on popping up he kept on causing murder kept on being a real threat and focusing all our attentions there whereas Thanos was always there but sat sort of quietly in the background and it feels like they're getting the Loki type characters all nicely lined up to keep us very well occupied whilst they build the backstory to the big big bad that would make sense because that ties them over two phases yeah along the way we will see Kang along the way we may well see Mephisto because every time somebody sees a Marvel TV show they go Mephisto and it's like no it's not just crack on and then we may see Adam Warlock there may be a few others that would be in the Guardians of the Galaxy thread I think we're going to see miniature big bads if that's a thing and then Galactus is going to go boom and that'll be like one of the most powerful because you're going to see the Celestials I worry though because I don't know the comics I worry that when you get to people like this Galactus where are the big bads after that does this mean this is the end of my world because where do you go when you've used up your big bad cards you've used up your Thanos if you use your Galactus where do you go from there does that mean that we're at the end of it or do they just reboot it all with the multiverse I'm just trusting in Marvel at the minute that we will be alright but I do feel slightly stressed for them well let me try and allay some of your stress let's consider where we are right now and consider that you and I are potentially going to be in care homes by the point of phase 5 onwards so it might not be our problem problem. and the people who leave after the trailer kids if it all goes to shit after I'm dead that's your problem I've enjoyed my ride probably the ones getting up at the end of the film are Generation Z so they won't give a fuck well it's like our parents and their parents have ruined the planet with all the fun that they've done in building up the world to where it is now and they've gone yeah we're going to die we're not asked anymore we're going to do the same with the Marvel Universe we're like we've had the time of our lives it's been mega we've done loads of podcasts we've spent countless hours chewing the fat and now it's shit over to you yeah not my circus not my monkeys bye (laughs) 
Excellent. Okay, Easter eggs. Have we got any more Easter eggs we need to cover? Because I'm conscious of time. We have gone on. Well, I'm not going to go over ones we've already done. Crack on with some additional information, Splendid. backstory to characters that we haven't covered, and the Easter eggs along the way. Let me fasten my seatbelt. Indeed. Wen Wu, the father. His relationship. Who? Wen Wu. Who? Wen Wu. Your Wu. Your Wu. Wen Wu. Well, today, the Mandarin. Now, in his explanation and exposition to his character, he explains that he was known by different names. Originally, Shang-Chi in the comics was supposed to be the son of Fu Manchu. <laughs> However, because that was probably not particularly great at the time and a bit of a racist name, and also, to be fair, they lost the rights to use that name, they retconned his identity and claimed that Fu Manchu was just one of the aliases of Shang-Chi's criminal father. In the comics, he developed a brand new martial art called The Way of the Spider. In the storyline where Peter Parker lost his spider sense in the comics Spider Island storyline, he combined the two, his spider powers and his martial arts. He has, across the course of the comics, as wielded the powers of Spider-Man, Iron Man and Giant Man in the, again, the comic Spider Island. He contracted the spider virus and turned into a giant spider. While fighting with the Avengers, he was able to get them pin particles to grow to Giant Man's size, which was Project Goliath that we find out in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And Iron Man gave him special tech, as he does with everybody, keeps him busy and had a repulsor-powered nunchak. Well, he ain't giving him any tech in this world, is he? He's dead. We might see with Ironheart coming into the TV, so might be some crossover we'll see but let's not make it all about Iron Man although he is central isn't he to everything which I love not anymore Potentially, Bruce Lee's son was going to play him in a early adaption of the film. Cool. But was dead after he was shot in real life wow. on set. The Easter eggs. Ten Rings doesn't only refer to the bracelets, but to... <laughs> and do you know what? The schooled child in me always giggles when you mention the Ten Rings. And also Mephisto. That's another name. That you yes. just have loads of school puns that come into my head, which shows how immature I am as a human being. Well, it's when you add those together and say Mephisto Maring. <laughs> <laughs> which is the name of my porn film it doesn't refer just to those bracelets but also to the criminal organisation that we've seen across Iron Man 1, 2, 3 Ant-Man and I didn't 2. notice this I mean you pointed this out to me and I was like oh I feel really stupid now it's been there but this is why I say Marvel's great the things have been there all along and you referenced it in one of the rewatch shows that you said to Ishtar you have to watch every single thing yes but you know I give out advice freely to anyone who comes within a mile of me I will sit them down and give them lots of advice on stuff and then fail to follow it myself yeah okay basically now you know the flag was seen although an alternate version in terms of it's been updated across the ages as it would do it was seen in well rebranding we know how important it is to rebrand well it has in Afghanistan it was being used by a terror organisation that kidnapped Tony Stark Aldra Killian was part of it and as we've mentioned with regards to the Mandarin in the one shot in the comics the rings are actually alien technology of a species called the McLuhan in the comics of the McLuhan clan clan McLeod of only you and I would know of clan McLeod a ship that crashes and the Mandarin salvages some technology from an explorer called Axon Carr who was hiding in a cave in the Valley of Spirits in China after being fatally wounded. Um, I thought you were going to say fatally lubed. Fatally lubed with <laughs> his Mephisto. Like, <laughs> rings. Talo, we mentioned before, is in one of the God Realms and is a pocket dimension adjacent to Earth in the comics, which is why I said to you this is not part of Earth, it's a new realm. Is it's that a- where Polly comes from? Who? Pocket Polly. Pocket Polly, 
it maybe comes from the pocket I realm. Again, Generation Z don't know who we're talking yeah, they go, about. What? What is that? Google it. It's an interdimensional nexus point which exists between Tallow and Earth. First appeared in Thor Volume One in 1980. It also resembles, which is a link to Iron Fist, the gates to Kunlun. You see, Iron Fist makes me giggle as oh, well. Okay. <laughs> Iron Fist with Mephisto on my rings. So that's where it kind of comes in. I've got a whole list of mythical creatures that I'm not going to explain for time. There's loads of endgame references. Yeah, well, they do in the restaurant where they say that they talk about it, don't they? And there's some posters on the wall. Yes, that actually I noticed set up. that as they were going in, weren't they? It was it's, into the flat, it was, wasn't yeah. it? Well, they make reference to the blip anxiety groups that were set up by Steve Rogers in Endgame. You'd be coining it if you were a counsellor or a psychologist, wouldn't you, in that universe oh, then? Oh, 50% oh. of the people come back after five years. You've just got a whole... You're making some money off <laughs> yeah. that, aren't you? Yeah. The bus fight, we see a little bit of a cameo from the guy who appeared in Homecoming. He's the guy filming it. Ah, yes. So I he, thought I recognised him. He was the street vendor yes. who says to Spider-Man, do all the flips. Okay. Same character. You also see why bendy buses are a bad thing, evil, in fact, and oh, banned to another realm. Just a danger to humanity. Yeah. The Muramasa blade, which Razor Fist has in the comics, because he appeared in Master of Kung Fu 29 in 1975. Originally, he was an assassin whose arms were surgically replaced with blades. Now, over the period of time when they've updated the comics, he appeared with just one and the blade glows red based on an actual blade called the Sengo Muramasa based on someone who's made these really good weapons. So it's like the best craftsmanship of weapons. Does it glow because he has some pimped up his arm like he has his ride? You know how you get these idiots who drive around with the cars with the blue the blue oh, neon yeah, lights yeah. underneath the car. Has he got that? So he's got little red lights coming from the bottom of his arm that focuses like on the blade just to make it glow. It looks like he's pimped it up doesn't it yeah the blade does over the course of the comics get updated but that was the first version of it that's the Vauxhall Astra that you've bought yeah. and you've spent like 10 grand doing your Vauxhall Astra up with those lawnmower stipes stupid exhaust that make it go <laughs> You just basically shit your um, car Instead off. of just spending 10 grand on a better car. I say that. It's like, you see these people... I know people that makes that, you feel old. No, but it's I say true. the same thing. You see these people in the mum's Corsa and they put a Hoover extension on it <laughs> and basically they've got a surfboard on the back. It's like, just buy a Subaru. Yeah. You've literally made your car shit. Take that money and just buy a buy Subaru. Buy a Subaru because your car now looks wank. <laughs> and your mum's not happy because you can't get a shop in it because you've put super woofers <laughs> in the boot. As mentioned earlier, we get mention of the Golden Daggers Club, where we see Wong fighting. That is a reference to the 1976 Master of Kung Fu comic. Black Widow gets a cameo. Helen, who was in the Black Widow film, she's seen fighting in one of the cages. For memory, I think she's fighting the extremist soldier, which again is a link to another Easter egg to Iron Man 3, where the extremist virus was being ah, used. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the people created... who could sort of regenerate. Well, it was the genetic engineering that was first being created for plants by Mike. Hansen in 1999 and obviously Tony Stark helped reduce the fertility of the formula but then Aldrich Killian took it using his company AIM made it a genetically enhanced super soldier serum yeah. but if it went wrong they all exploded that was the problem the idea was being used for a clandestine team called Centipede in the comics but basically we see one of the soldiers there that looks like he's got the extremist virus we see Abomination now we haven't seen Abomination who was that creature then that was in the cage if it wasn't Abomination that was fighting one it was Abomination oh was it they've him with the gills now. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, because he refers to him as, as Emil. Yeah. So Emil Blonsky is Tim Roth's character. Okay. Before he takes more of the super sim. So basically when he takes ah, the super right, serum, okay. the guy with the big head leader, he says, don't take any more because it'll be an abomination. Little cheeky nod to the film. And he goes over the top because he wants to beat him. The reason why he's still in that form may well be that he can't change back because he's taking too much of it. Yeah. He basically do 
doing it's the Al Pacino film where he goes have a look at my little friend what's that one Scarface Scarface basically when he just snorts so much coke on Scarface and just takes on people with a massive gun Abomination's essentially done that we haven't seen him since the 2008 film Hulk however another Marvel one shot that nobody's ever seen probably called The Consultant however in season one Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Coulson makes a quip to Agent Ward about the fact that Blunt he's been in cryo status in Alaska that's interesting because as I said to you at the time we watched the movie the raft didn't exist at that time and because he can't be controlled they've just put him on ice there is a connection to She-Hulk and it could lead into the government team the Thunderbolts because again across the course of the MCU we've been collecting Baron Helmet Zemo Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine John Walker US agent Taskmaster possibly and Sharon Carter who is now the power broker they could all be part of the Thunderbolts a bit like the Suicide Squad really aren't yeah. they? the sort of anti-heroes the Thunderbolts is an actual team on my board as well Death Dealer for those who don't know Death Dealer as we've already talked about was quite a short well I had high expectations well it, was, it looked like Darth Maul looked amazing and was actually barely in it and a bit shit and then got killed very quickly and I feel this was a bit the same with this character exactly the same died too quick without much of a backstory because in the comics Death Dealer Lee Ching Lin was a, an MI6 agent that was working for Fu Manchu and then Shang-Chi was hired to take him out Death Dealer the costume was very similar to the comics they've updated it I had a feeling the way the character was a movement of the character I felt that it was a female you never really find out actually it was a cool character yeah and it could be a female the character played quite an important role in forming Shang-Chi mm. to be the person that he is that character was at the forefront of the abuse he was subject to training. during his training yeah. and so it would have been quite nice for that character to have had perhaps not in this film because they were very much set in the world but in the second or even in the third film form a greater part because perhaps as Shang-Chi becomes a more damaged individual as we often see in the Marvel world as he faces challenges and invariably loses things along the way a bit like Thor did Thor yep. didn't give a shit when he started That's by right. the end of it he'd lost everything and was a broken individual mm. and it would have been nice to see him as a slightly more damaged potentially angrier person having to face or deal with someone who was in essence the abuser mm. as a child it would have been a good face off there wouldn't it yeah. and, but again that shows the character he's willing to give away this magical powerful item but he's also faced off someone who has repeatedly crossed the course of his upbringing but it was, it was child abuse wasn't it I mean they were whacking yeah. him with sticks and making him punch walls mm. I mean I thought I was being subject to ill will when I was forced to do my homework when I got home from school yeah <laughs> puts it into perspective doesn't it he does put it into yeah. perspective somewhat great if it was a woman playing it because it was a good opportunity and why not character short lived and in the comics is known specifically for using a blade rather than to be eaten by a soul reaver not with the shitty pimped up version no like other people may decide to use Death Dealer just buys the more expensive version and uses that uses, in a cool yeah. way but it would have been good wouldn't it at the end of the film to have him fight off against before it all went and turned into West Side Story or even not, not doing this one because I think the beauty of Marvel is that unlike DC yeah. they don't try and pack everything into one film they go right cool we'll just give you a little flavour of that shelve it and we'll bring Absolutely. it out further down the line we'll put it in the toy box it's there for us to use Death Dealer was gone done the waterfall type portal when they go into the portal it looked like the Doctor Strange style it did it had a very similar feel thing. which suggests that's more in keeping with that type of power that portal power Ying Nan says to Shang-Chi that they're helping protect your universe which indicates it's not theirs Talo is another multiverse moving further into what is the multiverse this is clearly another realm obviously we see with Thor and the different realms of the Bifrost go 
to. Which does beg the question of what powers Shang-Chi really has, because if he is the offspring of two parents from different universes, what powers might he have that are transferable from one universe to the other, if you know what I mean? Like, what does he not realise he can do in our world because he's from another world? This is where it moves into more MCU stuff, because in the comics, he has no powers, he's just going to fucking smash you out. (laughs) Trained in every martial art. It's just Um, a big hard bastard. Yeah, absolutely. And the rings just enhance, they are the power. With his mum being from that realm, I'm having all of the spiritual type stuff. Maybe the MCU will indicate that he has other powers. Although she implies that she doesn't have the powers when... She gave them away. But yeah, I mean, is that... So is it a bit like the rings where it's a power that you only have if you, say, possess the rings, so to speak? Or is it because she actually came from her realm to this realm and therefore gave up her powers because she's now no longer in the realm where she has the power, so to speak? That's what they talk about it, because he said he puts his rings in his box. (laughs) (laughs) You see, once it sticks in your head, you can't get rid of it. He puts his rings in a box and she gives up her powers so they're both equally matched. What could be good in terms of moving forward, and we were talking about the fact that his sister doesn't have the rings and he does have the rings, maybe his sister goes looking for the power that his mum had Yeah. and maybe he has the rings and doesn't have any other powers other than the rings and his sister... Stop saying rings, will you? Circular bracelets... (laughs) And maybe that's where then you have this sibling rivalry equally matched where you've got bracelets versus flowery, (laughs) flouncy legwork and you can move loads of leaves off your driveway. (laughs) The Mandarin obviously mentioned that he has lots of different names just to confirm what he has been known as in the comics was Fu Manchu, Master Khan, the most dangerous man on earth, Warrior King. They basically reinvented the character as Zheng Zhu, who was a powerful Chinese sorcerer and leader of the Five Weapons Society. Another one that I think has been updated is a little bit of a debated subject. The dragon in there, I thought, was Fin Fang Foon, which is, again is not appropriate to say because it's a little bit racist title. So there's some debate whether that was the case or not. But there was an Easter egg in Iron Man 3 with Fin Fang Foon in the Chinese theatre because again it's a character from the comics the great protectors what they called it in this film which was created by the alien race the McLuhans of the clan McLuhan and was a dragon like species called space dragon so maybe that's what it was I know yeah space dragons but I thought it would be quite nice if it was an updated version of the original Fin Fang Foon but again I will leave the listeners to decide of whether it was or it wasn't Um, we've covered all the others I'm not going to go over them let's give our ratings what would you give this out of 10 just to remind people you gave it five out of five on the old socials so with the scoring out of ten where does it feature i've given this an eight because i really loved the movie as a standalone i loved it as a wider part of the mcu it lost points because of the sandals yeah (laughs) yeah sandals the third act waste of characters that were good death dealer being one of them almost operatic type ending where everyone was all at each other's throats and then they're all friends again the third act like you said was just kind of agreed five o'clock on a friday i'm gonna give this a seven and i feel like the more we talk about it the more i feel guilty about giving it seven because this was a solid eight film right up till that third act and i just feel there's enough there to have chipped away for it to just find itself with an unfortunate seven it could easily be given an eight i thought this was a really good film it was a great origin movie i feel invested in the character i feel invested in the side characters that it has now created i think it'll fit wonderfully into the mcu i'm really interested to see which toy box they start putting him in Mm. and those characters where they start popping up because i think there's loads of scope for the whole world to 
fit in nicely in all kinds of ways so I thoroughly enjoyed this I thought this was a nice start this feels like the first film in this new phase mm. because we've had the Black Widow yeah. which I feel was just ending a, a story arc which, bit of padding isn't it yeah it, it felt a frustrating ending of a story arc that I didn't feel needed I would have liked it to have been pre-end game so that I could have enjoyed that storyline and it felt relevant because it was a good movie and the storyline is relevant but it's relevant before a time where stuff's now happened we did the pre one it just took ages to come out wasn't it yeah spoiler alert that's how I feel about that and obviously the Spider-Man Far From Home which obviously was that kind of still felt like it was very much tied to because he's an existing character we've already seen him and because he already had pre-existing relationships that very much tie in with that this feels like a fresh start to a new chapter in the MCU and that's why I perhaps feel that this was almost the Iron Man to this new phase it's like bang new character bang new story arc bang off your pop they've probably done some housekeeping so I see Spider-Man film housekeeping Black Widow housekeeping and now we're starting because the next film's Eternals followed by the next Spider-Man we're moving into the heavy lifting of the MCU phase 4 yeah partly the reason why this got an 8 which we haven't really mentioned is the fight choreography mm. and the action oh it's amazing yeah I mean yeah. the action yeah. fight scenes were just yeah. phenomenal absolutely phenomenal and it's all happening when he takes a shot to the nuts I genuinely felt that in fact I'm sure I verbally went oof which is a good sign yeah and I'd say go watch it people if you've listened to this A why would you listen to a show about a film you haven't seen and B we've just spoiled the shit out of it so sorry about that well give us a review on the socials give us your comments on the socials it's at the two marks Facebook, Instagram, Twitter give us a review on the platforms you're listening to that's much appreciated get in touch direct messages check out all the other shows and episodes as we both mentioned previously we're doing a Marvel rewatch from the very beginning go check that out because it'd be quite nice to go through I always find it quite nice to apply what I now know to these early ones and we've also got the benefit of watching it with someone who's doing it through the first time so I'm getting a little bit of that excitement pang by proxy of her going oh my god really is that and then I remember how I felt which was pretty much the same and then so go check that out we'll have some new Star Trek stuff coming when these new shows land we're going to continue to do these film policy ones with films as they drop Suicide Squad well the next one for us will be Eternals the Eternals that's November can't wait loads coming people thank you to Covid yes (laughs) thank you very much for listening guys we hope you enjoyed it catch you next time Excelsior Shows exclusively on the podstation.co.uk.